Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all life that happens between it. So at work, you interact with a handful of people who are also our social acquaintances and chosen family. Some of them are, yes. And because of this, your intern was mildly confused Yes, because sometimes right before we start a staffing, we may be sitting there chatting about various extended family interactions of the week or weekend or such. So my work wife told her they could make a family tree. They could draw one so that she would know what's what and who's who and who's on first and... What's on second and... My aunt who's on third. (laughs) So, so they drew this little family tree. Yes, well, my, a genogram. Yes, I drew a, a genogram and uh, put, you know, like grandma and papa on there because they're adopted. And I, I think they might have forgot my mother. But uh, <laughs> um, I was curious, not to interrupt you, because I know I just did. But I was curious about how you draw on a genogram fictive kin or chosen family. How do you indicate, you know, the quasi-relationships between these things? I think, as always, there are several choices of design. Some are a dotted line or putting a group of people in the same setting, but not necessarily connecting them by lines that would indicate an order of birth, but still having a hierarchy of, you know, age or such. Right. So, for instance, my aunt was on there and and my work wife said we weren't sure where to put her. Which the initial question, I think, was because she's kind of halfway between grandma's age and your age. She was like 12 when you were born. Yes. But... But it was also, they just weren't sure to put her. And since they hadn't put my mom on there, they didn't have anyone to connect her to, you know, besides me. But this wasn't a regular genogram of family members. It was a genogram of people who are a community. So so my aunt was kind of floating, and I said, we should just cut her out and move her around every once in a while. So <laughs> that seemed most appropriate. Yes, I think so. To her usual approach. Mm-hmm. Right. So the the intern saw the genogram that my work wife made and said, oh, there's Jess and George and their kids, and they don't have any kids of their own? Our, our kids were on separate lines on other directions. Yes. They, they weren't together because... Because biologically or yeah. adoptively, they were belonging to other parents and not us together, at least as a start. Mm-hmm. And my work wife found herself perplexed to be asked this question because she had never had this question in all of her knowing me that someone should wonder why we didn't have any, I'm making air quotes, natural children. <laughs> why the hell would we want to do a thing like that? We wouldn't, even if we could. Well, that's the thing. It's a matter of the could on that question because... Right. But see, somebody who just knows me as just a guy, as we talked about last time, wouldn't know that 
that might not just happen anyway or on purpose. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. No. <laughs> no, never on purpose. But my work wife has known me a long time and never had this type of a question asked to her because as a lesbian couple, I wouldn't be one, nobody would be wondering that. And, you know, other people who know that I'm a trans guy wouldn't necessarily ask that unless they forget. I did have a friend once. He's on, he's on the, I still am in touch with him. Mm-hmm. Who, he's a trans guy now. He's just recently transitioning and he's my age. When he went to the doctor with his uh, now ex-partner and their adopted son. Well, let's see. No, she was the birth mom. And he was the other half of the lesbian couple at the time. Okay. But they were at the doctor, and the kid was about two or three, and he was having a health problem. They were trying to figure out what the scoop was and getting a health history. And so the doctor's asking the birth mom questions and then turns to ask this other guy who wasn't a guy, as far as they could see, you know, wasn't presenting yeah. as male at that time, to ask questions. And he's just looking at them like, um, I have no genetics in this child. Yes. And then the doctor was like, oh, yes, that is correct. <laughs> like they for easily forgot. That's funny. You know. And um, speaking of community type genograms, I'll, I'll go back to that guy in a few minutes. Yes. But my intern who doesn't know me as a trans guy. She just knows you as some guy. Yeah. Just ask the question that people ask. Well, haven't Where you are there other kids? Had any children together? Because people often do that. Yes, they, they do. They do, like like your, like your have, cousin. My, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I have a friend who was in a Catholic marriage for a number of years and had like six kids of her own. And then once she got divorced and was no longer in a Catholic marriage, she married a also recovering Catholic who also had six kids. And between the two of them, they have 12 plus one more. They had another one themselves. Oh, of course they did. That's how they do. They have a baker's dozen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, you know, That's this is... frightening. <laughs> not the quiverful weirdo people. These are like normal human beings. And admittedly, you know, they're both recovering Catholics, but they're both like rational people. They're not like weird. No. So hopefully their children will be well-balanced. Yes. Functional human beings in our community. Mm-hmm. So my work wife talked to me about this the next day because she was like, wow, I didn't know what to say. And then I realized I needed to say something. So, <laughs> And for my work wife not to have something to say is kind of like you not having something to say. She's pretty quick thinker about having words. And she's got a sharp wit and she's often got something to say. Quite often, yes. <laughs> so I thought that was funny that my work wife had one of those trans moments. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I, I wonder with some of the other people that I talk to at work, especially there's one of the guys who wants to connect a little bit through sports and a little bit through, you know, just being a, another friendly guy at work. He's definitely a guy's guy. There's some nerdy guys and some more introverted guys, and he's not one of those, but uh, he's a nice guy. And, you know, we, we banter about our different teams. When it comes to baseball, we have the same team for, for football, although I don't watch football. But I will pay attention to if my home team is victorious. Yes. Because 
you know, it's American football. It makes the news. Yes, it does. So, so that that guy, I don't. I think he's probably been there about as long as my intern. So some people like that. Certainly, the two guys that sit near myself and my work wife, you know, that probably overhear some of our conversations. Although one of them has been smart enough because there's so much noise right by the copier where we sit. He's got these big headphones. Of course, it takes a <laughs> lot of nerve to wear those at work because one of the women that work on our floor down the hall from us is a very, um, she, she has fun with pranks. And she's a very outgoing mother of a now national football player. Yes. You know, and she's just, she likes like a miniature version of football guy. You know, she, she's, yeah. she's you know, the linebacker's she's, mom. She's the linebacker's mom, and she's like miniature linebacker compared compared to him because of you know pictures yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. But but she's still a taller person than me, which yes. isn't hard. I know. No, but she's she's tall and she's and she, built ruggedly, and, and she knows it. And yeah. she's a prankster, and she loves to antagonize because it's fun for her. And he has the nerve to put his cover your ears headphones on, mm-hmm. and um, he is one of her main targets. So he really has a lot of nerve to do that. <laughs> but anyhow, the guys that sit around us, who knows what they have to listen to. So yeah, that was my, my work wife's experience with trans stuff. And yeah, there's my little work um, you said you were community. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. You said you were going to come back to the other so, guy. So back to the other guy. I was thinking about this. I don't. I'm not good at uh, remembering words, as we just noticed, but I am good at remembering where I was when I thought of something. <laughs> I was walking to my car yes. the other day, and I was thinking, oh, I know why, because my phone had been ringing, and it had said unknown, but I was not at a point where I could answer my phone. And the reason unknown was important is usually it rings unknown, and it is an old friend of mine who was a girlfriend of mine many, many, many eons ago. One of your first girlfriends. One of the first ones, yes. Okay. And I was her first girlfriend. And you guys are still friends, like, long time now. She's been married. She's divorced. She's she's an awesome person. They also raise special kids. Yes. So, a lot of reasons to talk. Yes. And she's good at that keep-in-touch, long-term friendship stuff, you know? <laughs> so, she'll call, you know, once in a while. And it usually says, unknown. Right. So that made me think of her. And I thought about how she's been in three relationships that were then, after after those relationships were over, were a trans woman and two trans guys. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, one, one of her first boyfriends was a trans girl after yep. they separated. And then the next girlfriend she got after me is now that other trans guy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. So that was funny to me. That is. It was notable to her too. I know when. Yeah. When she called me and said, "Hey, um, so and so," which was her next girlfriend, the now other trans guy, mm-hmm. uh, is wanting to know if they can contact you. And I'm just noting that <laughs> I seem to have a selection of trans relationships before that's, they were that's, out trans people. That's really funny. Although I think it's, I told you when you and I had first hooked up that it's, and now it's even more true, that when I date men, they quit liking women. And when I date females, they quit being women. Yes. 
And this is also a pattern. You have a, something in common with I do. this old girlfriend. I do. Yeah, who also has three special needs kids. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and we can count the princess as special, right? Oh, yes. She's okay. on the other end of the IDEA <laughs> legislation. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-huh. The, the child who left her purse full of bugs in the kitchen. Oh, my God. Last night. That is my kid who yeah. collects bugs, but then puts them in her pretty princess purse. And brought them to uh, Bible study. And brought them to Bible study and probably collected some at Bible study. Yes, and had show and tell, I'm sure. This, oh, wait, no. It's no, a science didn't. geek in she her. Was, she was painting a birdhouse. She wanted to give it to you because you like birds. Oh. It's in my car. I see. That's very nice of her. Yes. That was the craft that the... Auntie Grandma Lady, our adopted family who helps lead the Bible study, had brought for the kids that day. She was not on the genogram. No. We could put more people on the genogram and further confuse the intern. Yes. I think I could get her to learn how to make genograms that way. We, well, there is that. But then we also, you know, as queers, often have this sort of chosen family thing that a lot of, and I know I might get flack for saying this as a ginger, but a lot of brown people have in their culture this everybody's your auntie, everybody's your uncle thing. Yes. And so that's kind of what we've done. Like we have a lot, our kids have a lot of aunties and uncles. Yes. Queers have often done that too. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is a minority chosen family thing. So the other, the other Unknown calls I get now are usually from the blood bank, but it's too early. It's a month until I can give blood, so it's not them. Right. So it might have been her. It might have been politics. I really should probably call her back and yeah. see. Oh, well. After you had that discussion at work, though, the other discussion that you had with your intern at work following that meeting was about uniforms, because there are some office politics around uniforms right now. There are. There are some office politics, because it's getting to be summer. Yes. And there's been some dredge of office politics around dress anyway, because our director for about the last year, and we went without a director for over a year in between that, mm -hmm. doesn't love the way people dress. She and, thinks that you could be more professional at the workplace. Yes, and lots of people could be. Yes. And most of the guys, especially the ones that have been there the longest, are notorious for wearing everything they shouldn't be wearing that's not in the dress code. Actually is in the dress code as don't wear this <laughs> to work. Male privilege says what? Right, because they never get talked to. Right. Except I will say one of the guys the other day, and this is after the whole conversation with the intern, we had a fire drill last week. Okay. Early in the morning. Nice. We all end up outside, and one of the guys who's notorious for this for years and is even a, a supervisor now, who still oh. comes to work in jeans, gym shoes, and some raggedy shirt, was does, out does there. Does the shirt at least have a collar, like a polo or something? Yes. Okay. But gym shoes are no. Well, and he had on shoes like my... Like my Leather sketcher ones downstairs, or okay. my, like my leather casual ish, not quite sneakers, right? Yes, that I wear either on casual day or at home. Yes, he had those on that day, and he said he pointed it out to me and a couple of people standing there because they had apparently been having this conversation as well about dress code. I can't even wear my sneakers anymore. And he had his, these shoes on, and I'm just like, Well, it's about time to, somebody told you get dressed for work, right? <laughs> just saying. Right? Ugh. But so, the, the concern that your 
intern had was because as an intern and having previously not worked in a clinical setting, she doesn't have a clinical level wardrobe. And understandably so, because this hasn't been her job yet, and she hasn't started making the money from clinical to buy a clinical wardrobe. Interns don't make those kind of monies. No, they don't. No, they don't really make monies. They and get to give you their time. And she expressed concern that she would be expected to dress above her station and couldn't afford it. She was upset about that. She didn't have that many outfits. Which is totally a girl thing. Yes. But she's also a girl in a, from a very rural place, even, you know, our little town's got lots of rural places nearby who grew up that way, who's not as girly as some of the other office people are, but, She would only feel mildly uncomfortable about wearing the same four outfits all the time. (laughs) If she could get them clean in time, she'd probably be fine with it, if she had four outfits. (laughs) Oh, I thought you said she only had four. Well, she has four that are... Suitable that are suitable enough, but not not an upgrade, which is what she's worried will happen. Right. So we were standing there having this conversation, and I mentioned to her, I said, I, I hate getting clothes, but my wife can't get all of them because I'm a short person, and I often have to make sure they fit. And so I have to find something and sometimes order it online from like, the same nearby store, but in a smaller size. And if I get it and it's wrong, I just return it. And she said, she's never done that. She's never returned something to a store. No. And I said, oh, it's so easy. And and the best way to do any of these things, because I'm a cheapskate as, as well as a short person, <laughs> is to have a coupon. Yes. And only go when you have a coupon. Yes. Only buy the things then. Yes. So I, I was talking about this with her, among some other things. And we had been having a fair amount of stress in the job and with some clients that we that day as well. And I, oh, I know what else the stress was about. Right before that, we were talking about problems that were going on in the office in our unit and how we were addressing them. So there was a fair amount of talk about these stressors, and and uh, this was a late night because my intern works with me on the nights I work late. Yes. We left there. We went to a yet another difficult situation. And I came home and unwound and we went to bed. Mm-hmm. And I um, woke up <laughs> in the middle of the night. From a terrible nightmare. From a terrible nightmare. <laughs> that I had been at work and that my boss had come to us and said, okay, so we have this email that says we have to wear skirts to meetings now. And I was like, skirts? I effing hate skirts. How can we have to wear skirts? And like trying to process like emotionally coping with this, wearing a skirt. And then it dawned on me in the dream, I don't have to wear a skirt. I might have to wear a tie. I'm okay with that. Because you're a man. And I was like, phew. And then I woke up. But and I still had that panic in my body. Yes, because you have skirt PTSD. I, apparently I do. You totally do. Serious PTSD. Because, like, there are a lot of guys in jobs where they have a more strict office dress code, where skirts are on the menu of acceptable attire, but... For guys. For 
Well, in a lot of offices, the dress code has to be gender neutral now. It's a litigation issue. They can be discriminatory practices and get all sorts of lawsuits if they don't make neutral dress codes, but they can allow, you know. Not out here. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I, in bigger cities. It would be kind of funny if the guys at my office decided to wear skirts. And they do because they can't wear shorts and girls can wear like you used to wear capris and crops. And there are man pre's, but they are also not for work for work. No, no, no. But there are offices where guys will like all go in and say, you know what? Tomorrow it's going to be 98.9. We're wearing skirts because we can't wear shorts and we need some air. I wonder where they buy their skirts at. Um, wherever they can get them that fit. Right. <laughs> you know, yep. I mean, some places you can buy fit suitable sizes at discount department stores. Or I suppose times. even resale. Yeah, resale or, you know, depending on your size, you might have to go to the bigger girls clothing stores like where I have to shop because I'm a bigger female assigned person. Fe- a female bodied person that needs the right. Size it's in order to make it stay on your body. Goddamn curves, yes. <laughs> so so yeah, they wear skirts when it's hot out. They do. They as do. Uh, so there. Yes, because if you're going to tell me I can't wear shorts, I need some air. Then you can't tell me that what I wear is not gender appropriate because that's a uh, that's gender discrimination. You can't tell me what clothes I can wear. And I wonder if this is mostly in big cities or what. I would guess so. Like New York? Yeah, yeah. or in more progressive cities, even if they're smaller, like Portland or Austin. Right. Well, you know, I think as a a guy, I I would, if I didn't have some skirt PTSD, I could see wanting to mess with that protocol, out of messing with protocols and messing with gender things. Yeah, and it's funny to me watching you that you've developed less and less desire to mess with gender the more and more you pass and the more and more you're comfortable with just being stealth. You're like, no, no, thank you. I waited a long time to enjoy these whiskers. I know. And avoidance of skirts, apparently. Good for you. Yes. (laughs) I get stuck with skirts still. You do. I do, because I can sometimes wear shorts to work. I currently work at a school where there is a student uniform, and if I am in a student uniform, I can wear shorts. But if I'm not in a student uniform, I am wearing trousers or skirts. And I feel more masculine in a skirt than I do in trousers. It feels like dress-up. It feels like drag. It feels like princess man. I can't go in a skirt to an interview, though. No, it confuses them. It does. Like, if I walk into an interview looking like a tomboy and acting like a princess man, that is slightly more congruous for them, and they have less emotional hijack, less brain processing of my gender, and they can process what an awesome person I am. Whereas if I go in there in high femme and I act like a tomboy, then they get confused. And we talked about this before, especially when you were early in transition about how if people can't read you on site, then trying to figure you out becomes more important than the actual task at hand. Yes, unfortunately so. I don't know if it's that I don't appreciate messing with gendery things the same way I think I needed to more before 
because I couldn't have this that I have now. Yes. More masculine comfort zone. Yeah. So that was part of my coping mechanism, and I don't I don't need that same coping mechanism as I did then. Although I think it messes with people enough that I don't act like they think I will. And I see that, I, I observe that with a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of short guys who get short guy syndrome, and they're expecting you to be overcompensating. They expect you to be a little bit more masculine, a little bit more aggro, a little bit more stereotypical. I didn't think of that, actually. I just thought, I don't act like the tall guys, but, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't think about it being like a short guy, lacking short guy syndrome. Yes. Hmm. No, I guess I'm a little more relaxed than that. Yes. Uh, unless I'm at home with my children. <laughs> not relaxed. We're not talking about them today. I know. <sighs> so. So is there more to say about that? Probably eventually. That might be it for now. Okay. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry you feel unreasonable. That's very reasonable of you. (laughs) Jealous of your reasonable approach. Do you need to fix that noise-making device, wherever it may be? I'm not quite sure where it's at. It's not attached to your ass, so you can't find it. No, these these pants don't have back pockets. Oh, they're girl Girl pants. I know, I hate girl pants. Sorry. It's okay. They're the only ones that fit around my huge it's, ass. It's summer now. Can't you sew some pockets on the girl pants? I probably could, but they're not going to be the same material. And if I put different material, they'll be even girlier. Okay. Mm. Never mind. Sorry. Go ahead. Ha, 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 ha.